You're listening to Time in the Word. The Millennium Kingdom is the rule of Christ on earth as promised to David, and it will be inaugurated at the second coming of Christ. The land promise made to Abraham and his descendants will be fulfilled, and the promise made to David that his descendant, the Messiah, will sit on the throne of the kingdom forever will be fulfilled. Without the Millennium Kingdom, the Abrahamic, Davidic, and Palestinian or land covenants would go unfulfilled. In this message, Dr. Gonzalez will discuss the geographic changes that will happen during the millennium and the government of the millennium. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on end times prophecy. We will once again today continue our study in Bible prophecy. Again, as I mentioned previously, we are on our final stretches of this series of studies. This is lesson number 34, I believe, or yeah, 34 in in the series. Uh, We've got maybe two or three more remaining, and then we will be done with this series. Um, It's been a wonderful uh, study, and I hope that uh, God has used this uh, study to, to uh, open your eyes to to the reality of certain things that sometimes we prefer not to talk about and maybe to uh, bring about some change of mind and change of heart on your part. Uh, certainly it has been edifying and encouraging to me to go through this study. Last week we started looking at a new chapter in the series which was uh, the Millennium Kingdom and we already discussed uh, three of the the prominent views on, on, on the millennium. We talked about amillennialism, the position that holds that there will be no literal millennium uh, kingdom, uh, reign of Christ, that once the second coming occurs, it will usher into the eternal state without there being a 1,000-year reign. We talked about postmillennialism, those who hold to that view, are those who advocate that the second coming of Christ would occur after the millennium and that essentially that millennium is being fulfilled in our present day as the the world is being Christianized. We know that that position has probably uh, uh, been set aside by the events that have occurred in the world, particularly since World War I and forward, uh, rather than the world progressing and becoming more open to God and and His Word and His Kingdom, it has become far more, uh, it's taken the turn for the opposite, rather uh, seeking to instead persecute Christians and uh, propagate doctrines that deny the very existence of God and so forth. And then we talked about premillennialism, the position that we hold here uh, at uh, Truth to Live By, Reasons for Faith, uh, where we believe that at the second coming of Christ, Christ will establish a 1,000 year reign where He will rule literally and physically here on earth for 1,000 years. The subjects of that kingdom being those who have uh, uh, survived the tribulation period and Christians who have already returned with Him after the judgment seat of Christ and the marriage supper of the Lamb will govern around, uh, govern the world along with him. We will hold positions of responsibility and leadership uh, during that thousand year reign. We believe without a doubt that that is the best supported uh, position based on the evidence we have in Scripture. We know that one of the important reasons for there being a millennium kingdom is that God is yet 
waiting to fulfill the promises and covenants that he had made with Abraham and David, and that that uh, that is the time when those covenants and promises will be fulfilled. We talked about last week the importance of understanding uh, that 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 has incredible implications for us as Christians, because as Christians, uh, much to much of that which we hold as convictions are those things that are promised to us by God. And if God is a God who does not keep His word on, in, 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 in a promise He makes, uh, then He may be a God who doesn't keep any of His promises. And uh, we live by the promises of God. Uh, this week, we will continue to look at the Millennium Kingdom. We'll look at some of the changes that will take place on earth and in the earth as a result of his coming back and setting up the millennium kingdom. Uh, we will probably spend uh, this lesson and one more lesson discussing the millennium and then we have essentially two more chapters to look at and we will essentially be done with uh, um, the whole series of, of the Bible and tomorrow's headlines. Uh, if you have your Bibles with you, keep them handy. We'll look at a number of passages that will help us make our point and understand the points that we're seeking to make. Uh, the first thing I want to discuss today is we want to look at some of the geographic changes that will take place during the Millennium Kingdom. Now we know that Christ will return literally and physically. And as a result of His return, a number of dramatic things uh, will happen to the earth. For example, the Mount of Olives will split in two from east to west into a great valley. Uh, in Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 4, uh, this is what the Word of God says, On that day His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives east of Jerusalem, and the Mount of Olives will split in two from east to west, forming a great valley with half of the mountain moving north and half moving south. So we know that when Christ returns and literally descends upon the Mount of Olives, the Mount of Olives will split and it will form a great valley in that place. Uh, there will also be dramatic changes in Jerusalem. Um, for water will flow from Jerusalem both west to the Mediterranean Sea and east to the Dead Sea in the same uh, book in chapter Zechariah 14 uh, verse 8 it says on that day living water will flow out out from Jerusalem half to the eastern sea and half to the western sea in summer and winter so we we notice some of the geographical changes that will take place as a result of his uh, second coming also in Joel chapter 3 and verse 18, uh, it says, let me get to that passage. In that day the mountains will drip new wine, and the hills will flow with milk. All the uh, ravines of Judah will run with water. A fountain will flow out of the Lord's house and will water uh, the valley of Acacias. So we know that once he returns, geographical changes will take place. It appears that Jerusalem will literally physically be elevated uh, from the position it is in today. And according to Scripture, even the deserts will blossom with flowers 
and will be well watered, no longer parched. Uh, and as you know, uh, the, the Middle East is well known for its deserts and for the fact that in many areas nothing grows simply because there is uh, nowhere, n no way for anything to grow. But we know that once he returns, some of these changes will take place and places that were desolate at one time will now blossom with flowers and, and produce vegetation that has never been seen uh, perhaps before in those areas. Now also, in the millennium, Israel will occupy the land that God had promised Israel. Now that's important to note because in reality, when you look at the covenant that God had made regarding the land that Israel would possess, historically, Israel has literally never fully taken possession of that promised land. Yes, they have lived within the boundaries of the promised land, but never occupied to the extent of those boundaries that promised land. During the millennium kingdom, Israel will once for the first time in its history occupy the entire land which God had promised. And this land runs from the river of Egypt all the way through to the Euphrates River. Now if we don't have a map here to show that part of the world, but if you have opportunity to pull out a map of the Middle East, you will be interested to find out that in the present day, the territory that Israel will occupy fully during the Millennium Kingdom is territory which includes Lebanon, Syria, parts of Jordan, Iraq, and the Sinai Peninsula, along with present-day Israel and the land presently occupied by the Palestinians. It is no wonder, and I won't spend too much time here, but it is certainly no wonder why there's such um, animosity in part between the Jews and the Arabs in the Middle East because those who are well acquainted with the boundaries of that promised land which God promised to the Jews and said they would one day occupy fully, uh, many of the nations in the Middle East uh, make up that the, uh, are within those boundaries. So we can surmise that once Israel has taken possession fully of the promised land, they will occupy territories in all those countries and, and parts of the Middle East that I previously uh, mentioned. Uh, Israel, according to Scripture, will be divided in three parts. Seven of the tribes will occupy the northern part, uh, the tribes being Dan, Asher, uh, Naphtali, uh, Manasseh, Ephraim, uh, Ephraim, Reuben, and Judah. And that you can find that in Ezekiel chapter 48, verses 1 through 7. The southern part will be devoted to the other five tribes, which are Benjamin, Simeon, Issachar, Zebulun, and Gad. That's in Ezekiel 48, 23 through 28. Uh, the land between will be set aside to be sacred uh, uh, to God, uh, and priests will reside there during that time. Uh, and the millennium, millennial temple uh, will be there. Uh, in addition, property in Jerusalem will be designated for the prince, presumably David. You understand David, and we'll talk about this a little bit more further on, but David will 
have an important role during the Millennium Kingdom where he will be uh, designated essentially to be prince under King uh, Jesus. After all, King Jesus is uh, the one who will sit on the, on the throne of David, and this, was, this is the Davidic covenant uh, forever and ever, and that throne and that kingdom will be established forever and ever. Now, a uh, few other things we want to look at during the Millennium Kingdom. We want to look at the government. What is the government going to look like uh, during the Millennium Kingdom? Now, it's going to be difficult, somewhat difficult to understand, yet not, not, not uh, that difficult that we can't understand, but it will be very different from anything that we are used to seeing here. Perhaps we will be somewhat familiar with, with the terminology because we have seen this type of government uh, in biblical uh, uh, times, but... Uh, the type of government is what we often refer to as a theocracy. Now, what is a theocracy? Essentially, a theocracy is uh, God, God governing himself uh, rather than having uh, humans rule over uh, the nations of the earth. Uh, we know that before the first king Israel had, Israel was governed as a theocracy. God was literally the head of government uh, prior to the Jews uh, demanding of God that a king, a human king, be given to them. So the type of government, uh, this type of government God used in Israel in the Old Testament times, as we previously mentioned, and Christ will be the one in this case ruling literally and physically uh, uh, over the affairs of mankind. Now, he will be a benevolent ruler, and as a result, I mean, think about this. We, we, this and this is the part that I say we can't begin to imagine. When King Jesus returns and sets up his kingdom and sets himself up to be the one who will govern the world, literally, physically, from earth, can you imagine the justice, the peace, the righteousness that will prevail on planet Earth. Something that we can't even begin to imagine because all we are used to seeing is human depravity showing its true colors through dictators and, and rulers who have no respect for humanity, who have no respect for nature, and all they're accomplishing is their personal agenda to become wealthy and whatever else that may be. But there will be a time, listen, there will be a time in the future on earth when sin will be dealt with swiftly and immediately by the one who is ruling in the world and that is King Jesus and for for a couple of references I can give you is Isaiah chapter 11 verse 4 and Isaiah 65 verse 20 so it'll be a theocracy during the millennium kingdom as Christ rules personally uh, physically and literally uh, from uh, Jerusalem the center of government as, as I just mentioned will be Jerusalem that is where he will reign from. Reign from. That'll be the center of uh, world government. It'll be a city that is exalted above every other city uh, uh, on earth. It'll be a place of great glory, uh, and it'll be where the 
it'll be the sight of the temple uh, and it'll be the joy of the whole world. Jerusalem in history will never in this instance during the Millennium Kingdom Jerusalem will never again have to fear for her safety as she has throughout uh, history. Uh, now who will rule or who are the rulers of the government during the Millennium Kingdom? Of course we know that Christ will reign absolute and supreme. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Uh, and that will uh, fulfill the promises made by God. David, King David, will be a regent with special responsibilities over the house of Israel, particularly. And a number of prophecies speak of David's important, uh, David, uh, David's important place in the kingdom. And I'll give you a couple references, Jeremiah 30, verse 9, and Ezekiel 37, 24 through 25. Also, the 12 apostles will have posi positions of leadership. The 12 apostles will actually rule over uh, the, the uh, 12 tribes of Israel. Church age believers, that is you and me, you and me will play a role in human government during the Millennium Kingdom. Much of what role you will play during that uh, uh, Millennium Kingdom will be determined on how faithful you were to God in this lifetime. How much remember when you appear before the judgment seat of Christ and your life is evaluated and your works are, are, are rewarded uh, what you did in your body as a Christian in this lifetime on this earth will determine in great part what role you will play during the Millennium Kingdom in the Millennium government. But church age, age believers and tribulation martyrs, those who were believers during the tribulation and died or were killed during the tribulation, we will enjoy a unique privilege uh, in reigning with Christ during the Millennium Kingdom. I want to look at a couple passages, Second Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12, Paul says this, If we endure, we will also reign with him. Uh, and he's talking about the millennium kingdom. If we endure, we will also reign with him. In Revelation chapter 3, there's several passages I want to look at. Revelation, Revelation chapter 3, verse 21, it says, To him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne. In chapter 5 and verse 10, uh, we are told, You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God, and they will reign on the earth. And in chapter 20 and verse 6, this is what we're told in Revelation 20 verse 6. Blessed and holy are those who have part in the first resurrection. 
The second death has no power over them, but they will be priests of God and of Christ and will reign with him, listen, for a thousand years. One last passage I want to look uh, in this, uh, in this uh, area. Verse, chapter 22, verse 5. It says, There will be no more night. They will not need to light. They will not need a light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord will give light, and they will reign forever and ever. So the Bible is pretty clear that the, those who will rule on planet Earth during the millennial kingdom will, will of course rule under the leadership of Christ. But we, as church age believers, we who uh, who will be raptured and taken. Uh, uh, to appear before the judgment seat of Christ and who will appear and who will uh, be involved in, in the marriage supper of the Lamb, we will come back and we will have positions of responsibility during that time. So the 12 apostles, David, church age believers, and tribulation martyrs will all have positions of leadership during the millennium kingdom. Um, in fact, if you remember the parable of the Minas in Luke 19, verses 11 through 27, you remember that that passage clearly seems to indicate that those who proved their faithfulness uh, will be given much authority. And that seems to be an indication of, of how God will assign to us our places of leadership and responsibility in governing during the millennium based on our current lives here on earth before the rapture or before we die prior to the rapture. Now, uh, let's talk a little bit about the subjects of the government. Uh, who will we govern over? Who are the individuals who will be living uh, uh, in, uh, on planet earth during the millennium reign of Christ? Well, there are two uh, groups of individuals that we will talk about. All those who have been resurrected, that is all the righteous or the Old Testament saints, church age saints and martyred saints during the tribulation will be subjects during the millennium reign of Christ. And secondly, those who survived the tribulation period who were believers will be brought into the kingdom, uh, the millennium reign of Christ and will be subjects during that time. So, so remember, those whom we will govern over and these, you know, obviously those entering the millennium reign of Christ, those who survived the tribulation are human beings just like you and me, who will die physically and who will propagate like we do today, but also included in the subjects uh, of the government during that time will, will be the, the Old Testament saints, the church age saints, and those who were martyred during the tribulation period. Well, we've kind of reached uh, the end of this particular lesson, so I don't want to get into the next uh, point uh, since we won't be able to expand on it anything. Uh, let me just make a quick application. Again, the facts are interesting. Knowing what the Bible has to say about certain things is good and profitable. But at the end of the day, if we don't make proper application and don't seek to understand what these facts and truths mean to us, uh, we are wasting our time.
time. At the end of the day, all that really matters in your life, in my life, is whether we have come to a place where we've acknowledged our own sin and we've repented of that sin and we have trusted Christ as our Lord and Savior and confessed them before the world as our Lord and Savior. We want to make sure that we give you the tools that you need to understand that you must make a choice for Christ if your name is going to appear in the book of life.